Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Today we have an interesting guest that we're going to be speaking to. We like to show here on Jew in the City Speaks, if you've listened before, and just in Jew in the City in general, people that are Orthodox Jews that have out-of-the-box careers, that add to the world, you know, that do kindness. We like to show the sides of the story that often are not reported in traditional media. And today's guest is no exception. His name is Yitzi Kasowitz, and he has an unusual job. He spends his day um, playing and building Legos. Yitzi, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So now, just to um, maybe, I don't know if I gave the, the best intro. So you're a Lego engineer. I mean, this is an actual job to, to, build, to build Legos, not just build them like children do, but structure them so that they can be built by children. Can you give us a little bit of background about what this job entails and what the career path of, of getting to such a job is? Sure. Um, well, getting the job itself, uh, I have no other way to put it but um, divine providence because <laughs> this job just happened to be in my backyard. I mean, it could have been in any state, uh, and there's nothing to say that... Uh, Anyone couldn't get that job. Um, but uh, this company, Brickmania, uh, they actually build custom Lego sets, mostly mostly military models. Um, it just turned out, I saw in the paper that there was a Lego mosaic being built at the uh, Minneapolis Arts Institute. Um, so I grabbed my son and we went out there to build it. Um, so can and you just then, tell me, like, what, what's your... Well, maybe let's back up a little bit. Can you first tell sure. me what your Jewish background is? Were you always religious? You grew up religious, or you became religious later in life, or...? Um, okay, so my, my parents are Chabad uh, my, when I'm the oldest of eight. When I was first born, uh, the Lubavitch Rebbe handpicked my father and parents to go out to Des Moines, Iowa, across from Drake University, to open the Jewish Student Center there. Uh, my parents were there for 12 years. Uh, they actually sent me to Minnesota to stay with my friends to go to the uh, Lubavitch uh, Day School there uh, because we didn't really have much of a Jewish education in Iowa. Um, and then they uh, joined me a few years later. Um, I went to the Cheder there, and then I went to uh, a couple of yeshivas. I uh, went to Seattle for a year. I went to Connecticut for a little bit. It just didn't seem like it was working for me. Um, I always loved Lego and designing and creating and working with my hands. Um, sitting and studying in a yeshiva all day just didn't seem to cut it for me. I gave it my all. I told my parents I would try the best I could. It just wasn't working out. Um, we looked for options. Uh, at the time, I was about 15 or 16. The only available options were to go to a public high school to be able to attend the shop classes. Uh, in order to do that, I would have to go through the whole system and do the other required classes as well, which I did. Um, I actually graduated with honors. Um, I huh. ended up taking every single shop class. I ended up uh, doing beginning, advanced, and then being assistant shop teacher for all my classes for my junior and senior year. 
Hmm. And then I continued on. You know, what, I, what I love about this story, and we've had some out-of-the-box people on this show before. We had Josh Meyer, who was one of our Orthodox Jewish All-Stars, who was doing long division in preschool. Um, and when they saw that, you know, his aptitude in math and science was just so off the charts, they homeschooled him at first, and then eventually, in his senior year, sent him to a math and science school, and he was still doing Jewish studies on the side. Um, we spoke to a woman last week who... Um, started the Jewish Women's Entrepreneur Network and uh, decided to go into law. And she spoke to a big ultra-Orthodox rabbi who told her that you have to follow your passion in life. So I, I love stories like this where families are willing to do out-of-the-box things to make sure that the kid can can be a religious Jew um, in a way that brings them joy, that not everybody needs to fit into the same cookie-cutter um, space. That, that seems to be, were your parents always like that? Or was that just always their approach? No, I, I have to say I give my parents a lot of credit for uh, being accepting. Um, again, being that I'm the oldest of eight and I have four other brothers, I think at the beginning they were a little disappointed that you know their oldest wasn't going to become this great rabbi. Um, but I assured them, you know, they had a, a few other children that <laughs> there could possibly be some other rabbis in the family, uh, which there are. Um, but with everything that I have done, uh, I ended up having my own home remodeling business and teaching uh, web design and animation, uh, teaching martial arts, um, doing this Lego stuff now. They are, you know, they're extremely proud of, um, you know, everything I've done. Um, and it's really nice to um, have their support. That's beautiful. So, so graduated high school with honors, and then were you in some... Do, do you go to an engineering program to become a Lego engineer? Is that the career path in case anyone sitting here at home is wondering how do they start their career <laughs> towards Lego? Uh, you know, I, I ended up doing a little bit of architecture, a little bit of engineering. I did some sheet metal, welding, cabinet making, uh, construction. Like I said, I, I ended up uh, building uh, custom pool tables and installing kitchens. And from there, went into doing my own home remodeling business. Got it. Um, I'm sure having that resume didn't hurt uh, into applying for getting that job. Okay, um, so, so a Lego engineer is not the same as like a science engineer. That's just, when they say engineer, that means a person building. Yeah, yeah you're not really going to go to college to uh, sign specifically up for a Lego class. That, Got, you know, yeah, just, just checking here. I, I mean, of course, I knew that, but just in case anyone sitting at home wasn't sure. Okay, so it's really a, a person. You have to just be good with your hands, creative, good at building. That's the kind of things that they're looking for at such a company. Now, this... Um, you said Brick Media. Is that what the company was for? Brick Brick Mania. Brick Mania. And is this is this an official division of Lego? No, this is a third party. Um, uh, Daniel Siskin, the owner of Brick Mania, my boss. Um, he actually uh, he used to design uh, Lego castles and stuff. And one day he made a couple of tanks, and people told him that he had to start selling it because they were so good. Um, and the demand for his designs kept growing. Um, he actually made a set that Lego approached him and asked him if they could use his design for one of their official Lego sets, which they did. So he was the first non-Lego designer. Hmm. Um, and it's my, you know, I'm able to work directly under him, which is phenomenal uh, for me. So as far as I'm concerned, if Lego... Uh, would accept his design. Uh, he's he's the kind of master builder that they would like, um, and I get to work directly for him, which is amazing. Now, my 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 uh, lawyer husband had a question. So, does this have the Lego brand on it, or it's Lego like, or how how does that work in terms of the branding? Okay, so so 
Lego uh, itself, um, they just don't want people to be confused with where you're getting your product from. These are actual Lego bricks. Uh, so the company I started, jbrick.com, we make Jewish-themed Lego sets, which is basically follows the same custom set, you know, third-party design as Brick Media. We make... Uh, we, we buy Lego from Lego or from Target, wherever that's actually Lego, and we put together instructions in a box that says this is a custom Lego set. So it's actually Lego, and then it's just redesigned, repackaged, uh, wow. but still new condition Lego brick that we'll just so take out. So basically you get to be like children that get to, in their minds, design some new thing that never existed before and then make those plans up for other children then to copy and create in their homes. That's basically... True, uh, but we, we take it That's a step cool. further. We, we, we'll we'll uh, definitely get, if it requires printing or stickers, you know, we want the highest quality print, uh, the design themselves also. Yeah, anyone could put together a few Lego, but like let's say our first set in a three-in-one uh, menorah design, um, you know, anyone could put together a menorah, but these are going to use a little bit um, more advanced building techniques. They may be built upside down. They may be built sideways. They may use a variety of techniques. So while you're building it, you will probably learn a few new uh, design tips and tricks, and then you could use it. It should inspire you to do some further building of your own. No, so I think there's different types of kids out there, some that are better at direction following and some that are better at just sort of creating something from scratch. So definitely having the instructions and the mapping out for the kids that, you know, can't uh, conceive of these things is uh, super helpful. Did you see the movie Big with Tom Hanks, which was, uh, what, an 80s or 90s movie? Sure. I'm saying so this is a guy who, you know, plays with toys as part of his career. I wasn't sure if that was a real thing, but this is this is very cool. This is an actual thing. Okay, so it's actual Lego and you're... Um, taking them and creating new models. So now, when did J-Brick come about? What was the impetus for starting a Jewish version of, you know, Jewish-themed Lego sets only? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my my parents uh, and my siblings and anyone that I knew, I mean, growing up as a kid, my grandparents, whatever, they always knew for my birthday, you know, whatever it was, everyone knew I was into Lego, just get me Lego. Um, later on in life, my father was like, you should design a game. You should, you know, something like you're really good with that stuff. My siblings are like, you know, you, you should make your own Lego sets. Um, and working as a professional Lego builder now, uh, has given me a real inside look to the business. I've been self-employed for a lot of years and run a business, but doing actual retail and putting this kind of thing together, uh, has never been that far away, but once I was actually in the business and doing it day to day, it just seemed like the right time. Uh, everything has, you know, the right place and the right time, and it just seemed to fit right before Hanukkah. It just seemed like a menorah was a kind of uh, universal uh, item that anyone throughout the world would recognize, and religious or not so religious, uh, everyone would be okay with, you know, menorah combo set. Um, and it and so that, that really, was the first really thing, quickly. so it launched, it launched as past Hanukkah with the menorah, is that where this began? That's where it all began. It was kind of an experiment. About two weeks before Hanukkah, I, I made the instructions, I ordered the parts, I got all of them put together, um, and literally as soon as, as soon as I got, you know, the last pieces put together, I made a website in 10 minutes, put it up on eBay, uh, you know, put the button on, and a week later we were sold out. That was the How many, how many did you put up? That was 100 sets we made. They sold out in a week. 
Wow, amazing. Now, can a menorah, a Lego menorah, be lit? Is that some, is it possible to stick candles in there? Or? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we actually have um, a, an LED kit that we're working on for next year, Hanukkah. Um, it should be available uh, for this next year. Uh, there's, there's a simple version where you just plug the whole thing in and all everything lights up, or we're getting a little bit more advanced where the lights can flicker. You can do one at a time. It has memory. It'll, each time you turn it on and off, the first night and then the second night. So we can have a lot of fun with it. Because I'm thinking, I'm saying once you're getting into, you know, menorahs and putting menorahs everywhere, it's not so far from your roots of what your parents wanted you to be doing as a, you know, a good uh, Lubavitch boy. So it's, it's nice that you're marrying your talent to, uh, you know, Absolutely. Uh, your, your roots. I, I prefer that, that these sets are also educational. So uh, along with the instructions, I may start including also a page on history of Hanukkah. We just released our two-in-one uh, Seder plate. So we'll you know, maybe put something in there about you know, the, the history behind um, you know, Passover and uh, different customs. And so what, what items are you currently offering um, at Jbrick? Uh, right now, we have a Tahal, uh Israeli soldier uh, Lego minifigure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a um, a blue and a pink um, uh, Pushka uh, terry box. box. We have a large one, which uh, without glue uh, is built um, that whatever money is put inside, it can hold the weight without falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, the Seder plate, we just, I just put a stop on that because I didn't want any disappointments of people having it shipped or getting it, you know, once Pesach was over, cause then it would sit around for a year. Yeah. Um, so we just, uh, put a hold on that. Uh, the menorahs are available along with a, an assorted dreidel, um, set. And I'm currently working on other sets. So the best way to keep on top of that is, uh, facebook.com slash jbrick fan page. Um, or get on get on our email list from our website, and then we'll let you know uh, what sets are coming out in the future. Have you gotten feedback from any of your happy customers? Lots of feedback. <laughs> we get pictures. I don't think there's anyone out there that doesn't like the product. The idea, um, I think, and a lot of people agree that, you know, uh, in a Judaica store, you've had the same gifts in these stores for the last 50 years. Uh, and this is something unique. Uh, it's also, uh, Lego was just named, I believe, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the most recognizable name brand in the world. Wow. That, doesn't, that certainly doesn't hurt. Um, and who doesn't like Lego? This is actual Lego. It's not a Chinese knockoff uh, right. brick that's compatible with Lego. This is actual Lego. Do you, are your prices comparable to, to Lego? That's like my only sort of concern. My kids love it. I look at the prices and they're sometimes <laughs> a little bit shocking. Well, here's the deal. Lego does not sell wholesale, mm-hmm. um, so I have to buy it from them retail, and then I have to make instructions and buy the packaging and all that, so there will be a little bit of a markup. Uh, I do understand to, you know, people want a lower price and try and keep it at a certain price point, but you have to understand that it's not Mega Bloks. Uh, yeah. It is Lego. Lego is expensive as is. Mm-hmm. I have to mark it up a little bit, but I do try and keep it as cheap as possible. Right now we're running our crowdfunding campaign, which will be over in a couple days on juicer.com. Um, so it's juicer.com slash jbrick. Um, that's where it's available right now. After that, uh, we will um, make uh, future sets available directly on jbrick.com. Awesome. 
All right. And uh, any uh, any words of encouragement uh, for any kids out there listening who might have some out of the box dreams? How do you forge a path that you know hasn't sure. been forged before? Well, I would say not just not just Lego. Uh, any anything um, that you have an interest in, whether it's electronics or wood or uh, engineering, um, at, at least at least explore those uh, ideas and see if maybe you're good at it or you really like it. If it's graphics, whatever it is, and work towards that. If you have a dream, if you have a goal. Go for it. You may not get it right away, and you may have to do a few other things in the meantime, but as long as you stay focused, you will you will achieve it. You will get it, and it is very, very gratifying when you are doing what you like to do. Beautiful. All right. Well, um, this is these, these are the, the messages uh, and the themes that we like to put out here to show successful Orthodox Jews that are true to their heritage um, and follow their dreams and, um, and can strike that happy balance. So um, thank you so much for, for going after your dreams, for being a role model for uh, other people out there. And maybe there are even some grown-up kids out here who had a dream they didn't follow but will be inspired by your words. So um, thank you so it much for, uh, for speaking about it, for living it, and for setting that example. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, and, uh, and good luck with the rest of your crowdfunding campaign. Thank you very much. Take care. And some other exciting news going on this week at Jew in the City. You know, um, most of the time I'm here interviewing different guests, um, you know, bringing different stories to you. Today I'm going to talk to you about a post I wrote about last week on the website, jewinthecity.com, if you didn't catch it yet. When <clears throat> I founded Jew in the City seven and a half years ago, the idea was to show the side of the Orthodox community that most people had never seen. I was raised only hearing the negative, only seeing things from afar, only assuming the worst, only <clears throat> assuming things were super extreme and backwards and you know uh, zealous and never seeing the good side. And when I actually got a chance to meet Orthodox Jews up close and personal, in my teens, in my late teens, I saw that there were so many lovely, wonderful, open-minded people who were contributing to the world, who were enjoying life, who were living with balance, and I wondered why I had never heard about them. And what I realized is that traditional media doesn't like those stories. They'd much more sell the slanderous, salacious stories as opposed to reporting on nice, happy, normal people. And so that's what we've done for the last seven plus years. Use social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, BuzzFeed, uh, to, uh, did I miss one? Um, to, to share these stories with the world. As we've been out there, as we've been putting out this positivity, we have heard from some people that have not had the most ex uh, positive experiences with orthodoxy. We've heard from people that got the short end of the stick, from people that only saw observance as that which held them back, that which crushed their dreams, that which didn't give them space. And the longer that you're you know, in the world, and especially if you put yourself out there in a public way, you expose yourself to people who had different life experiences than you did. And as opposed to just drowning them out or you know, not listening to what they said, um, I took to heart some of the, the feedback that I got from people who had less positive experiences. And I wondered, are some of the negative headlines or some of the negative stories that get repeated again and again, are they happening because it's not that the media has a slanted view, but perhaps because 
we need to fix something. Perhaps there's something slanted going on within our own community that's not living up to Torah standards and something which we need to fix. So what I realize is, yes, there are some things that need fixing. Um, and so there are some different things that um, we've been working on now in the last year uh, in, in that regard. Uh, one of the projects that we've worked on, um, and we had the co-directors of Project Makom on here uh, a couple months back, is this initiative to help um, ex-Haredim who found the, the way they were raised. And this is mostly people that are from ultra segments of the Haredi world, where there was not enough space for self, for education, for interacting with the larger world, to give them access to other parts of the Orthodox world that are more integrated, that have more room, you know, for, for a sense of self, um, for interests, for hobbies, for that sort of a thing. Um, but a new thing that we just announced uh, this past, last week on the site is some work that we've done towards the Aguna crisis. So um, Agunas is not anything that I have had, thank God, too much personal uh, involvement with. Um, but I first started to take note about this crisis about a year plus ago when it hit the media. That's the stuff that, you know, is getting my attention. That's the stuff I'm looking out for. Um, there was, unfortunately, a rabbi, and um, he had some uh, helpers who, I think their intentions were good. The people that I know who know him said that they only were doing this to help women. Unfortunately, the methods they took to try to get a, get a Jewish divorce from recalcitrant husbands went way beyond what the rabbis ever had in mind um, roughing up a recalcitrant husband would be. These rabbis got arrested. Uh, this story was all over the media. Any form of roughing up, which was rabbinically allowed, appears to be off the table because it's just it's not how we can operate in 21st century Western uh, world. And so <clears throat> in, in the wake of uh, this change in events, women to get their freedom have gone to the media instead. And I don't think anyone can fault a woman who is waiting for her husband to free her from a marriage. But at the same time, what, what happens? What does our community become if um, we become known as the people who trap women in marriages? And not only being known as that, what, what becomes of us if we are the people who has no solution for women who are trapped in marriages? And as I was trying to figure out what can we possibly do for this crisis, which seems to now in the last year have gotten worse, I had heard about something called the halachic prenup. It's been around for 20 years. I'd certainly heard about it, you know, knew many people that signed it. My husband and I had not signed it just because the rabbi who married us uh, was not from a community where it was standard. And we got married 15 years ago and less people signed it then. And just as an aside, I was hoping to spread it more. I was hoping to get it out there more. I had heard uh, about a year ago on a trip to Chicago that not only were people signing halachic prenups, that now there was something called the halachic postnup, the same exact thing as the prenup, but just you signed it after the nuptials, so postnup, and that there were different shuls that were having postnup parties and getting couples who had never signed it before getting married to sign it then. And so I thought, well, if this is the best solution we have towards the Aguna crisis, we should try to spread it. We should try to create awareness. And just sort of randomly, I happened to ask a rabbi that I know who was working with the prenup, by the way, how much does it work? How successful is it anyway? And I expected him to say 20% successful, 30% successful. And he blew my mind. He said, in 20 years of use, the halachic prenup, when duly executed, has worked 100% of the time. And I was floored. I wanted to know, why does no one know this? Why is this statistic not everywhere? We, we must publicize this information. And as I started talking, 
to different friends and contacts that I have in the Haredi world, in the Chabad world, in the Yeshivish world, in the Hasidic world, I realized there was a lot of misinformation about the prenup. Even big rabbis, big, big post and big deciders of Jewish law had uh, um, uh, old information about the halachic prenup. Their, their uh, information about it was 25 years old. They were quoting to me problems with the original draft, which has since then been corrected. Um, nobody, even rabbis that work specifically in Gittin and Jewish divorce experts in this, had any idea how effective it was. And there was just a lot of misinformation out there. And so what I realized is that the same tools that we've used to spread awareness and information and accurate information and break down stereotypes about the Orthodox community to the larger world, we could use these same methods now to do the same thing for the halachic prenup and that people shouldn't judge it based on erroneous information, but that um, we could sort of tell them to pose us your worst issues, your biggest problems, and let us address them one by one. It's the same thing that I will do with people who have issues with the Orthodox community. I'll tell them, send me your worst um, issues and let's go through them piece by piece. And so I've done this now with the help of many sort of unofficial team members um, who are part of the Jew in the City family, who are part of our virtual community of probably about 20,000 people on our all our social media um, platforms worldwide and bringing their, que their rabbi's questions to the rabbis I was going to. And with an exchange of information, what we showed people is that the prenup, people, couples who sign prenups actually have a lower divorce rate. Um, it's 100% effective. Um, a huge number of actually Haredi rabbis uh, support the prenup, the RCA-BDA prenup. And what we announced on our website is these rabbis include Rev Shmuel first, um, who is the head of the Gouda in Chicago, who just came out with a letter earlier in the week supporting ORA, um, which has many activities helping Aguna, including spreading the prenup and the postnup. This list also includes Rev. David Cohen. He had been quietly, privately telling couples who had asked him if they should sign the halachic prenup that they should do it for years, but he had not gone public with it. I spoke to him on the phone a few months ago, and I pushed him on it. I said, I grew up thinking that the Orthodox community were bad people, were people that subjugated women. If we don't change this, and what people assume are correct. I said, we, we've got to do something now. Things are worse than ever. And he told me that I could tell people that he supports the prenup. And so I'm telling you now. Um, Rev. Moshe Heineman from Baltimore supports Aura, supports the halachic prenup. Um, and there's some some names that have been out there for a while. Rev. Rev. Nachal, Azem, Salman Nechami Goldberg helps draft the halachic prenup and supports it. Uh, Rev. Avadji Yosef supported the prenup in his lifetime. And I just got word from uh, one of my uh, friends in Central America whose husband spoke to his son, Rav Yitzchak Yosef, that he also supports the halachic prenup. Um, Rav Yitzchak Berkovitz, a friend uh, in a big uh, outreach organization, spoke to him. He supports the prenup. He prefers the Israeli version. He likes the language better. He thinks it's easier for the layman to understand, but he supports it as well. And um, something historic is going to be happening in uh, in a couple days. So on Sunday, there's going to be, please God, the first Haredi uh, organized halachic post-nup party. This is going to be taking place in Chevra um, Ahavas Yisrael in Crown Heights. Um, we've also gotten some support, thank God, from the Chabad community. Uh, Rev Moshe D. Gutnik, um, who's a Dayan and a Rev in uh, Melbourne, 
supports the prenup. Um, and Rev Ullman and Rev Feigelstock. Um, Rev Ullman is in uh, Sydney. Rev Feigelstock is in Argentina. Also, two Chabad Rabbanim um, are working on their own version of the prenup and have already gotten uh, support from Rev Boram in Israel and uh, Rev Zalman Nechemia Goldberg. They're getting more, uh, more signatures and more support for that as well. So anyway, this postnup party taking place this Sunday night, March 29th at Hever Havis Israel in Crown Heights will be from 7.30 to 9 p.m. There has never been a Haredi organized postnup party before, um, but there unfortunately have been some get and Aguna issues in Crown Heights of late, and that community is getting organized, but it will not just be uh, Lubavitchers at this party. We have um, different Hasidish and Yeshivish friends and contacts who are coming out, who are showing the support. My husband and I will be signing our post-nup um, at this party on Sunday evening as well. After 15 years of happily being married and bringing four beautiful children into the world, um, we'll be signing this, not because we have any fear about the future of our marriage, but rather because we want to normalize this, we want to publicize this, and we want to make this something that all Jews are doing so that together we can help protect the women who don't know it yet, but who are currently or one day will be, God forbid, currently married to a husband who might hurt them. And uh, we'd love for you to join us as well. Thanks so much. And you can join us next week, same time, same place, on Jew in the City Speaks. Have a great week.